Hello there, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Norton. Here in episode 27, I chat with Megan Meganson about how to make it as an introvert and highly sensitive therapist in private practice. Let's get started. Have you been wanting to start your private practice, but you can't seem to take that first step? Maybe you're afraid of failure or lack confidence, or maybe the idea of running your own practice is overwhelming. I'm Cindy Norton, owner of Mountain Practice Journeys, and I help therapists and counselors to love the business side of private practice. I'll share with you practical skills and advice, along with a healthy dose of inspiration so that you can be on your way to the practice of your dreams. Put on your hiking boots and let's get going. If you haven't yet listened to episode 26, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I answered the question, should you list your rates on your private practice website? Now let's get on to my interview with Megan. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. Today, I have Megan Meganson here, and she is here to talk a little bit about her journey of being a an introvert and a highly sensitive person in the therapy world and where that journey has taken her and what she's learned from it. So welcome. Hey, Cindy, thank you so much for having me. It is always an honor to connect with a fellow introverted, highly sensitive soul. Yes. Yeah. I'm so happy that we can connect because I think we're so similar in so Mm -hmm. many ways. Yep. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So maybe starting with, um, you know, where, where it all began when you first became a therapist and what you noticed, how you, um, how being an introvert and highly sensitive person, the lessons you've learned. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Thank you. This is such a, um, such a lovely place to start because I definitely uh, didn't know that I was an introvert and a highly sensitive person when I first started my career as a therapist. And I'll flash forward for a second, just to give some context about where I am now. And then I'll sort of walk you through how I, how I arrived at, at this point in my career. Um, so today I am a licensed therapist. I own a group practice in Portland, Oregon called the center for couples and sex therapy. Um, at the moment I have about 13 therapists on my team. Uh, and I also, um, own a business coaching practice where I support other low energy, highly ambitious types, uh, you know, figure out how to find their way to be highly profitable and extraordinarily well-rested. Um, so I, I've got a lot of going on right now, right? I, I wear a lot of different hats and, and it hasn't always been that way. Uh, so I started out as a therapist about 10 years ago and, you know, kind of followed the natural progression, went to grad school, worked in a group practice for a little bit, and then moved into private practice. And I, I really loved the work. I was good at the work. I loved the business building side of being a therapist. I mean, that was honestly always a little juicier to me, even than the the therapy itself was like the building, the business was so thrilling. Well, me but too, I, me too. Yes. I just have to interrupt you and say yeah. like the same. <laughs> I, I mean, I loved it. And I, I wasn't finding that in many of my colleagues, you know, they were so passionate about the work. It was all about the work. And for me, the work was great, but what really got me out of bed in the morning, what really got my wheel spinning, well, well, let me say it this way. When you looked on my nightstand, there was rarely a stack of books about therapy and there was always a stack of books about building a business. Yes. Uh, Anyways, I, so I loved it, but I was really constricted 
by my energy. Like I, I felt fatigued all the time. Um, I was in pain. I had a lot of body pains. There was actually uh, a period of time when I was going through a ton of medical testing. I was, they eventually landed in a rheumatologist's office and I was getting like lots of invasive testing done. They thought I had some kind of uh, like really rare arthritis that was creating this pain in my joints and this chronic fatigue I was experiencing. They put me on a bunch of medications that they said I would have to be on for the rest of my life. Uh, And I was doing this because honestly, I was having a hard time not wanting to fall asleep during my therapy sessions. I was so fatigued by the end of the day. Um, it was, it was just really, it was really challenging and stressful. And then long story short, someone said to me, you know, you sound like a highly sensitive person. Like, are you familiar with that trait? And I wasn't, I had never heard about it. So I went down the rabbit hole of like what it means. I knew, I knew I was an introvert, right? I hadn't really examined what that meant for my life and my career, but at least I was familiar with that term. Um, Highly sensitive person was, it was a brand new concept to me. And seriously, Cindy, a month after I understood the trait and started making drastic changes in my lifestyle and, and the way I was structuring my business to be in alignment with what it meant to be a low energy, highly sensitive person, everything shifted. Like my pain went away, the way I felt seeing my therapy clients like improved drastically. And I feel like from then on, it's just been a process of me really exploring how do I make entrepreneurship work for me as someone who just doesn't have as much energy as other people. Anyways, that was a really long explanation, but um, it was a it was a really profound journey. Yeah, I think it's important to hear that story and how what you were experiencing because I've noticed similarly that I mean I've known for a while that I'm a highly sensitive person, but looking into that a little bit more in how it relates to my business, once I've dug into that, I have drastically changed how I offer services and how I run my business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, the way I was doing business, the way everyone told me I was supposed to be doing business, right? I'm using air quotes around supposed to and should, right? I was doing everything the way I should do it. Um, and, and I was, I had a really hard time. I I know the same is for you, true for you too. It was really hard to find any mentors, uh, in the business building space that were speaking to how to build a business successfully, profitably as a highly sensitive person. So there, there was no one to, to model myself after, or my business after. And I was, it took a long time. It took years for me to really figure out how do I do this? in a way that really aligns with the energy that I have to give, because I refuse to accept that I'm not cut out for this, right? Mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that like being ambitious and being highly sensitive are mutually exclusive. It's, it was just a challenging journey because there weren't, there weren't many pathways forward um, that showed me how to do it successfully. And, and now I feel like we are entering a decade where there are people like me and you who are really stepping out and saying, hold up, like there are many of us out there. Let's take up a little more room on the stage. Let's, let's magnify our voices so that other highly sensitive, ambitious entrepreneurs can find a way to build profitable businesses that works really well for them. Yeah. I think this message is so important because I see so many therapists burning out. And I mean, 
therapist in general, even if they're not a highly sensitive therapist or an introvert, like they're still burning out in record numbers just because of what it takes to do this job. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. also, especially being an introvert and a highly sensitive person, it just compounds that. And thinking about when I started out, I knew that I couldn't see clients back to back. Mm -hmm. And some therapists would like a 15 minute break in between sessions was like huge. Some Mm -hmm. only had like three to five minutes. And Mm -hmm. so I was already outside of the box by when I started out by doing 30 minutes in between sessions. Mm -hmm. And then I finally realized like I need an hour Mm -hmm. and people were shocked to hear that. And it's like, oh, you can't, you can do that. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can make your schedule in a way that works for you. And if it's not working for you, seeing clients back to back, then you don't have to, you don't have to do what 95% of the people out there are doing. And Mm -hmm. And I bet a lot of those people, once they really look at it, they may decide like, oh, this really isn't working for me. I can do something different. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that that is the core of all of my work with business coaching clients is looking at how do you build a business that is an authentic reflection of you, you know, of what you need, of who you are, of what lights you up. If you're going to go through the trouble of building your own business and being an entrepreneur, then go all the way, like do, do it for you. But that's so hard, especially for therapists and, and people who are trained as healers. Cause so much of the conditioning I find is around making it about the client, right? The message that, that we hear that my clients hear that I certainly heard in grad school and in supervision is it's not about you. It's about the client, right? It's not, it's not about you. Don't, you know, what's happening in the room isn't about you. It's about them. And I think that clinical message can seep into the way we think about building our businesses. And there's a differentiation piece that has to happen if you're going to succeed as a highly sensitive entrepreneur. And differentiation is there is my client and their needs. And then there's me as a business owner, right? There's me as the healer and me as the business owner. And me as the healer is going to let the service be about the client and what the client needs, of course. But the me as a business owner is actually at the head of the table. And and that's the part of me that gets to dictate what the boundaries are for me in this business, what the infrastructure looks like, what my schedule looks like. All of those details have to support you as the service provider first. So that's, that's, I mean, I'm just so passionate about this message, Cindy, that I want you to build a business that puts you first and your clients second. Mm -hmm. And if you do it the other way around, you will burn out. Yeah. Yeah. That distinction is so important. I mean, I love that you brought that up because I think people aren't aware of how those are different because we do get that message in the clinical work that the client comes first. And of course we want to take care of our clients, but that does not need to translate into business. And actually it needs to be the exact opposite in order for you to run a business. It needs to be built around you. And because of that, your clients are going to have an even better experience because you're energized about your business Mm -hmm. and you're not burnt out. And I agree with that. Your clients will have a better experience and your business will call in more ideal clients and fewer non-ideal clients, right? If your business is an unapologetic expression of you and your personality and your needs, people who don't jive with you 
are not going to give you their credit card information, mm-hmm. which is great. I mean, that's like a beautiful benefit of just being yourself in your marketing, on your website, and the way you structure your services is that people who don't like you won't work with you, which is what you need to build a burnout-proof business, right? You need clients who you love to work with and who love working with you. And you're only going to find them if you give yourself permission to show up 100% as yourself in all ways within your business. Yeah. Because the more that you can share about yourself, clients can screen themselves in or out if they would Mm -hmm. like to work with you or not. So that's the importance of building the business around you and letting it be a reflection of who you are. And that's going to shine through and attract those clients that are going to be really excited to work with you. 100%. Yeah. That's, I just love all the juiciness of what we're talking about today because, um, Yeah, it's it's so, so important. What would you say, um, just thinking about your journey starting out in your practice, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, things you learned, maybe learned the hard way, um, maybe before you knew about the highly sensitive trait and and things that maybe you needed to adjust in your own business and what that was Mm -hmm. like for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll share two examples. One example pre-discovering I was a highly sensitive person. And then another example that came um, after I sort of quote perfected my solo practice and was in the process of building something more scalable because I've learned different lessons at those different uh, levels of of business development. So in, in early business development, when I was just a solo therapist building my private practice um, in the process of discovering that I was a highly sensitive person and uh, really examining what needed to be different in my life based on my, you know, innate trait. I discovered that I was seeing way too many clients. And this will be a this will be a familiar uh, dialogue, I'm sure, for most people listening to this conversation. Right? I was seeing too many clients, and I, in general, wasn't resting enough in inside of my business, outside of my business. I was pushing myself. I had too many things on the agenda. My, my to-do list was too long. I had too many social obligations. Uh, there was, I was just stretching myself too thin in, in all ways. So the lesson that I learned was that I had to start prioritizing rest and rest looks different for everyone. So I don't want anyone listening to this to, to feel like the way I rest is going to be the solution for you. But I had to do some deep examination around what does it look like for me? to rest. Um, and then I had to work on giving myself permission to prioritize putting my needs at the beginning of my schedule and not at the end of my to-do list. Um, so I, I made that shift, right? I really started protecting time to rest, which for me was, uh, looked like more sleep. It looked like more solo time during the day where no one could access me. Uh, It looked like creating spaces for play and creativity. So really uh, making time to do things that were, you know, just didn't require therapy skills, didn't require like business strategizing, just very playful, creative outlets. Um, Those shifts helped tremendously in helping me recover overall from the burnout that I was experiencing. And then reducing my caseload and raising my fees dramatically was the biggest sort of business change that I made in the beginning to get myself out of the you know cycle of stress and exhaustion that I was stuck in. 
Yeah. And I think what's so important to realize is that we have the power to change anything about our business. We're not stuck seeing X number of clients. We're not stuck charging the hell you want. Yes. And I feel like sometimes therapists, they get, they may initially set out to see this many clients a week and charge this much. And then they don't revisit that and they feel stuck, Mm -hmm. but you're the one, you're the only one that can change anything. Yeah. You're the boss. You're Mm -hmm. literally the boss. Yeah. No one can tell you what to do (laughs) and no one's going to tell you what to do. I think like that's the important um, thing to pay attention to is you own your own business. Like there's no one, one step above you who is making sure you're okay. Who's making sure things are functioning appropriately. It, It all lands on you and you have a choice in how you perceive that, right? You can perceive that as really like cripplingly, stressful and overwhelming. And you, and you're, you can feel like you're just drowning in the burden of being the one to make all of the decisions. If you feel like that a lot, I would just invite a sort of examination around if owning your own business is the right path for you, because I find that people that really succeed in business ownership are the ones that look at holding all of the responsibility as something that is totally thrilling Mm-hmm. and liberating and can look at the responsibility, not as a burden, but as an opportunity to create a life that really suits their needs in a beautiful way. So yeah, it's, you're, you're the boss. You, and if there's mindset stuff that's holding you back from creating a business that is a reflection of who you are, then work with someone like me or Cindy, like someone who can help you work through that mental BS so that you can just do what you want to do. Because once you do what you want to do, like you're, you're like on fire, you know, you're unstoppable once you're doing what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes we can just get caught up in the way society views work. And I feel that that's, that has a lot to do with the burnout now because people, I think it's changing because we are speaking out and saying, Hey, it doesn't have to be this way, but thinking about being made to feel guilty for not working X number of hours a week or being, you know, feeling guilty for taking rest and taking Mm -hmm. time off. And especially Mm -hmm. in the world of being a therapist, that's how you, you show up for your clients by being well-rested and you're not providing really good quality care to your clients. If you are following that um, mentality of hustling and grinding Mm -hmm. and um, just all those preconceived notions out there about what it means to be a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're describing internalized capitalism. Yes. Right. The, the deep feeling inside that you are bad and unworthy if you are resting or not being productive, not doing something that you can kind of hold up to the rest of the world and see, look, look what I did. Um, and it's an act of rebellion to step away from that and to choose rest over productivity uh, but and I want that for every single human being on the planet. But I'm going to stay in my lane, and my lane are the highly sensitive, introverted people who are in business. And to them, I say, you will only succeed at this if you give yourself permission to put rest first. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, rest, being well rested, being deeply rested, will give you the fuel and the inspiration that you need to achieve wild success right? Beyond your wildest imaginations. Like you can, you can be profitable. You can do work that lights you up. You can make a difference in the world. 
but yeah, you have to kind of work through the internalized capitalism and the the negative narratives that float through our mind that make us feel like that, what I just described, is a, a fantasy. It's not a fantasy. Like it, it, I'm doing it. You're doing it. It's very easy to do once you commit to the rebellion of uh, fighting against patriarchy and capitalism. I mean, no big deal, but uh, that, that's what we have to do here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does take, I think, first that realization that you can do something different. And it does take a bit of courage to be a rebel and do something different and have that faith in yourself that you can yeah. follow your own intuition and do what's best for you. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let me tell you about the second thing that I learned because this is even, uh, this is something I'm really passionate about. Uh, so, Cindy, I love working with entrepreneurs who are at the point where they're they're ready for the next big thing in their business, right? They've, they've sort of figured out the foundation. They've, they've mastered successful solo practice as an example. And then they're like, okay, I want something bigger, something juicier, something more scalable, more profitable. And how do I do that? And I learned a really painful lesson when I took that big step myself about five years ago. And this is the step that led me to the most serious episode of burnout that I've ever experienced. Um, and, and what I did, so the mistake that I hope everyone listening <laughs> will heed my warning. Um, I had I had finally perfected a private practice that really suited me energetically. My caseload was just right. The number of hours I was working was just right. The way I was showing up in my business felt really good. And then I decided to start a group practice and I didn't change anything about my solo practice before I started growing my business. And that led me into a very deep and severe episode of burnout. Cause basically I had this thing that was really working and then said, Hey, how about I just throw a whole bunch of new stuff on top of that? And, uh, and, and, and just, I guess, assume I will still feel great, which in hindsight makes zero sense. Uh, but there's, I walk through this now every day with different entrepreneurs. And there's this belief that shows up that I can't let go of clients. I can't reduce my workload. I can't reduce my revenue until my new project is bringing in a bunch of money. So we, we push ourselves to keep doing what we've been doing in addition to all of the new things that we want to do. And the lesson I learned is that that is not possible for introverted, highly sensitive people. It's just not possible. You will not have the bandwidth to do that successfully. You will burn out on your way to getting bigger. And then you will likely kind of fall into that self-fulfilling prophecy of, see, I knew I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, and that's just not true. So that's the lesson that I learned. <laughs> Yeah. Looking back on that, knowing what you know now, how would you have transitioned or what would you have done differently? Um, well, great question. And I have a guide for your listeners that will answer that question that we can give them the link to, um, along with this podcast recording. Uh, but many things, there's many sort of mistakes that I learned along the way that, you know, many things I would have done differently. The, the, the main thing, this is the most important variable, is re again, reducing caseload, increasing fees, which I know you've probably already done before. So it feels like, oh, I can't do it again. You know, I already doubled my fees and, and halved my caseload back when I figured out I was a highly sensitive therapist and needed to make a change. And yes, that was great. And now you have to do it again mm -hmm. because in order to level up, you need more money and you need more space. You need more white space on your schedule. The only way to do that is to drastically increase your fees 
and cut your caseload in half again, even though that feels really scary. Uh, So that's where I encourage all of my people to start. Let's increase your revenue and decrease your working hours before you ever take a step into what comes next. Some people do it, some people don't. And I have seen over the past several years that the people who do it transition into the next stage of business development with ease and clarity and abundance. The people who don't end up like I did, stressed, exhausted, burnout, believing that they're just not cut out for this business building game. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key there is creating space. It's not adding on at the end of your already busy day, this Mm -hmm. new venture or this new thing that you want to do, because that definitely will lead to burnout. And sometimes it can be scary to make space, Um, but that's what's needed, I think, to get the creative juices flowing and to really do some of that strategic planning and just sitting with your new idea. I think that part of it is so important, but it doesn't get enough recognition because you're not actively doing something. Absolutely. I don't know if you have found this to be true, Cindy, but I know in my business building journey, I am always reminded that everything takes about three times as long as I think it will. Mm -hmm. Everything, right? From checking my emails in the morning to creating a new program to figuring out a learning, like whatever it is, is going to take longer than you think. And if you don't have that spaciousness where you can allow yourself to think about something and, you know, kind of tease away at a puzzle that's been spinning in your mind. If you don't have that spaciousness, you're going to start feeling really um, pressured to do things quickly. Uh, And I know that it is true about most highly sensitive people. We don't do well under intense pressure, right? Time pressure, emotional pressure. uh, We get very overwhelmed, which sends us into burnout. So yes, having that space is crucial and just reminding yourself everything's going to take three times as long as you think it will. Yeah. I think that's so important um, just to give yourself that extra time. So you don't feel rushed and, and you can incorporate that process of thinking and visioning. So you can create something that's going to be sustainable instead of just rushing into the doing and implementing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thinking about, mm-hmm. I know that you talked a little bit about, you know, your, initial practice and then moving into a group practice model, and then you've added on business coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, So where along that journey, did you decide to become a business coach and how did that happen? You know, it's, I, I feel like my journey to become a business coach has been one of the most organic journeys of my whole career so far. When I decided to be a therapist, it was a very frontal lobe decision, right? I was a psychology major, wanted to go to grad school. What was I interested in doing? Therapy made sense. I applied, I got in, I went to school, I got my license, I did my supervision. You know, it was all very much, I was just following the breadcrumbs. Like this was the path that was laid out before me. And I I was just following along. It always felt fine for me, right? It, it felt, I... I didn't hate it. I didn't feel like I was on the wrong path, but it was never a path that intuitively I was really drawn towards or felt like really deeply curious about or passionate about. It was more an intellectual exploration. And I think it's, you know, when I noticed that the stack of books on my nightstand was about business and not about therapy, um, I just started to get really curious about what that meant. Like, oh, this is so interesting. You know, I went through, um, so I'm an ASEC certified sex therapist, which is work again that I love, but I noticed 
years ago when I was in my postgraduate sex therapy certification uh, program, getting all my coursework, I noticed that the other students in my cohort were so like viscerally passionate about the work. You know, it's like they read about it. They, they just, they dreamt about it. They talked about it all the time and I loved it and was really stimulated by the work, but I didn't feel that passion you know, and, and I, at the time I noticed that and, and I just made it sort of deal with myself. And I was like, okay, one day you're going to feel that passionate about something. Um, and until then you're going to have a great time doing the work that you're doing. And you're just going to stay curious because like one day you will feel the way they feel about something. It's not this, but it will be something. And over the next several years, as I started growing my business and getting more involved and the business building space and joining mastermind programs and working with my own business coaches, it just started, started to organically bubble to the surface where I was like, Oh, like, this is what I think about when I wake up in the morning, you know, when I, and I'm excited to get out of bed, like, this is what I think about. So I've just been paying attention to where the energy shows up for me and where the sort of um, enhanced curiosity shows up and, and my, work life. And it's been here. It's been in this build, business building space. And now that I'm sitting, you know, on a weekly basis with business coaching clients on zoom calls or phone calls, or sometimes in person when we're able to do that, um, I'm finally like, ah, there it is. Like there's that sense of alignment and passion that I saw other people have around the work that, that they were doing. And it just feels right. You know? Yeah. 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 I think a lot of times, um, I feel like my business coaching journey, it was very organic. It's not something that I set out to do. And of course, it wasn't as intentional as becoming a therapist. Um, but shortly after I became a therapist um, and started my private practice because, oh, I did so much research. I'm a researcher. And mm. since I was in grad school, just part time, I was there for almost six years uh, doing one class a quarter uh, just to you know, continue my progress so I could still do my full-time job. So it was a long journey, but I knew that I wanted to be in private practice. So all those six years, I researched private practice. I It was kind of before podcasts were very popular. I think there was maybe one um, about private practice out there. And so I read all the blogs. I, you know, did all the little free trainings, like any information I could find about private practice. So by the time I opened my practice, I felt like I knew a lot about the business side of it and how to do it. And it did help that my undergrad was in business management and marketing oh, yeah. and I had all of those classes. But um, so I had a little, I don't know, a little doubt about mm -hmm. opening up a coaching practice. So shortly after I opened up my private practice, because it's like, I don't know, it was just so new. And, but I felt like I had the knowledge to help other mm -hmm. people do it. So it I guess it started with a few colleagues asking me mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. private practice. Like, what made you go into private practice? I'm curious. I think I might like to try it, but I'm a little scared. And I'm like, well, this is how I done it, mm -hmm, you know? And it's mm -hmm. just started with a couple conversations with close friends and colleagues yeah. about them wanting to leave their agency job and go into private practice. And I basically yeah. just told them how to do it and walked them through it. And mm -hmm. I was so excited about it. And I, I, I would just light up when I was talking to them about it. So it really organically grew. It's like, oh, I don't have to have had my private practice for 10 years to tell other mm -hmm. people, you know, how to get started with it. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. been a really great journey. And 
I, yeah, I feel like with my couples therapy work, it was, um, definitely intellectually stimulating and I was Mm -hmm, interested mm -hmm. in it and curious about it. Uh, but I do love educating and teaching. So even in my couples therapy practice, I've switched it over to more relationship coaching and doing premarital counseling, just because I love that educational piece and sharing information with people about how Mm -hmm. to have better lives and careers. I feel like you're, you're giving two really great pieces of advice here. One is to move towards what is interesting Mm-hmm. And what's lighting you up and just being unapologetic about that, right? Like, oh, I'm more interested in educating and coaching than I am in, you know, helping people navigate divorce. Going to pivot mm-hmm. here. It's like that co- constantly pivoting towards what lights you up, I think is brilliant. And the other piece that you said um, that I think is really important for all people who are exploring something new is to allow it to start really tiny, Right. Just like you said, you know, you don't have to jump into creating a brand new LLC just because you think you might like coaching. I mean, find like a tiny little way to do a little bit of coaching with one person that you already know just to see in your own body if you really do like it. And remember, you always know more than the clients that you work with. Yeah. So if you're interested in starting something new, great. Don't don't worry about if you know enough or if you're, cause I've certainly had that same dialogue in my own head, Cindy, moving into business coaching, like, Oh, am, am I allowed to do that yet? You know, it is, you know, do I have enough clout to do that yet? Well, I have enough clout to do it for people who are five steps behind where I am right now. And there are always people who are a few steps behind you on their personal or professional journeys. And I just love looking at business that way. Because if you really hold on to that frame of reference, that there's always someone I can teach something or I can help with something, um, it really, like the, the possibilities are endless around what you can do to make money, to support your family, to live your ideal life. Yeah. And I see how a lot of coaches will evolve. Maybe when they first start out, they're helping someone that's maybe one or two steps behind them because they've just done this. It's fresh on their mind and they may be better for people that are starting out than a business coach that has been in the field for 10 years doing this because they may, Mm -hmm. they have a little bit more distance between what it was like to be a beginner And I've noticed a lot of business coaches, like maybe when they first start out, they're helping other people uh, to get started on their path because they just went through it. They have all the fresh information and it's super helpful. And then maybe after they've been doing that a few years, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, okay, like I have this down pat. Maybe it's not as interesting to me anymore. So I may pivot my coaching business either, you know, maybe change the focus or niche a little bit more or help mm-hmm. people who are in the next stage of it's building their business. Evolution, yeah. Which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as you're marketing in integrity with integrity, um, you can do whatever the hell you want, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you are saying clearly, like, this is my experience. This is my training. This is the skill set that I have to help you right now. As long as you're very honest and transparent about all of those pieces, you can do whatever the hell you want, right? It's like, I think where it gets sticky and where I have a lot of negative feelings about, you know, coaches and and people changing businesses uh, is is when people aren't honest, you know, Mm -hmm. when they kind of sell something or position themselves as something that they're not yet. Yeah. so it's just this, this just this really great little equation, right? Like notice what lights you up. Notice what you're curious about. 
move towards that, be honest, help people who are a couple of steps behind where you are right now and give yourself permission constantly from today through the very end of your career to evolve. Like what you're doing now shouldn't be the exact same thing you're doing three years from now or 10 years from now, because that's not how humans work. Mm -hmm. We're not stationary. We're, we're in, we're in motion and your business should be in motion too. And I think highly sensitive people are um, really well equipped to kind of exist in this, in this sort of perpetual motion state, because we are so attuned, right, to what we're feeling and, and, and what's interesting to us. So being highly sensitive, I just, it's such a gift to me as an entrepreneur now that I've learned how, and now that I've learned how to take really good care of myself, I guess, I see my highly sensitive trait as a huge asset to my businesses. And it's just like every day is a, it's a new opportunity to feel something really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is about embracing those traits instead of seeing them as negatives. Um, Because if you're looking at it that way, I mean, you're, it's, it's just going to be sad. You're not going to have a great time in business. No, you're going (laughs) to feel bad about yourself all the time. You know, you're going to be self-critical. You're going to have all these negative narratives about what you can't do. And just if, you know, when, when you find yourself stuck in that place, you need to call your, you know, your business bestie and just get somebody to pep talk you out of that because it is not true. Yeah. And I think too often we don't tune in with ourselves and what we need. We just look around and see what other people are doing and try to emulate that. But a lot of times you're looking in the wrong place and no other person is like you. And if you're trying to do what the majority of people are doing, especially as a highly sensitive person, it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes in some of the big therapist Facebook groups, I see, you know, every few days there's a post about, how many clients do you see a week? And, oh, I know. And a lot of the answers are, you know, maybe some are like 25, some Mm -hmm. are like 35. I've seen Mm -hmm. some 40 and I just start to panic when I read those as a highly sensitive person. And I'll see that there's a few comments where people are a little shocked by that. And they're like, oh, I can't do that. So I'm always, um, one to chime in and comment and be like, you know, when I was doing my couples therapy practice full time, I was like, I see eight couples a week. That's my Mm -hmm. full time. Mm -hmm. And just to give a different perspective and let people know that it's possible. And that's why I absolutely love April Snow's highly sensitive therapist group, because when those questions are asked in there, it may be six clients a week or eight clients a week, or sometimes the occasional 12 to 15, Mm -hmm. but it, Mm -hmm. you can see that there are other people like you and you don't feel, um, it's almost like you have permission to do that. Not that you need permission from anyone, but I've noticed when I've been able to accept certain things and do things differently in my practice, it's been when I've seen maybe just one other person doing it and I'm like, oh, it's possible. Um, But now I've gotten to the point where you don't have to see anyone else doing what you want to do, that you can make it. it possible. I mean, Cindy, I'm sitting here like debating in my head about whether to say this because this example you're giving about the Facebook group is a great one that sometimes you just need to see like, Oh, look at that person right there. Mm-hmm. They're doing what I want to do. Um, but I'll also say that one of the greatest gifts I've given myself has been to completely remove myself from all giant therapist, Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just one thing I know to be true about me specifically as a highly sensitive person, I never get anything good out of being in those mm-hmm. groups. I have found that 
I get way more value and connection from investing in programs in small group programs uh, rather than the free massive Facebook groups or even paid like membership communities where there's, you know, a thousand people. Uh, those places are so noisy. They, they really overwhelm me as a highly sensitive person. So I just always like to encourage people to really reflect on how do you feel in your body? How do you feel emotionally when you're in those giant Facebook groups? And if it's not inspired and encouraged to be more of yourself mm-hmm. and to build a business that serves you, get out of there and yeah. go find someone to work with one-on-one, go find mm-hmm. a small group to join. Like that's where you're really going to uh, be the most inspired to create positive transformation. Yes. Small groups. That's where it's small at. Groups. And just finding Absolutely. a few people, just a few people, even if it's one or two people that are similar to you, that you mm-hmm. can just bounce ideas off of and talk about some of these things, because I see way too often that people are seeking answers or someone to tell them what to do in their practice, yes. because it's never just a good the, idea. Yeah. Just the <laughs> questions that are asked in, in the groups. And yeah. it's like, follow your heart, follow your yeah, intuition. Exactly. What do you want to do? Just take mm-hmm. a few seconds and think about it instead of uh, seeking answers outside of yourself or looking yeah. for someone to tell you what to do in your business when uh, they have no idea what it's like to be you. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I just, I so agree with what you just said. <laughs> know yourself, do what feels right for you. If we are are to just boil down everything we've been sharing in this conversation, know yourself, do what you want to do that will never lead you astray. Yeah. Yeah. And I truly appreciated the rest and success code that you put on recently. And was that the first iteration of it? it was season one of the rest and success code. Yes. I created a um, an online event that I'm planning on hosting, having two seasons per year, bringing together uh, different experts to have like conversations just like this with a little more strategy mixed in. Uh, you know, what are people doing to make their businesses a better reflection of themselves? You know, how can we create burnout proof businesses that meet all of our needs and bankroll our lifestyles at the exact same time? It was. I didn't know what to expect. It was the first time I've ever created a, an online event and it was incredible. Uh, and just the conversations that happened, the connections that were made, being in even, even a virtual space filled with people like us, you know, Cindy, people who are quiet, you know, emotionally intelligent, sensitive, empathic, and unapologetically ambitious was uh, amazing. I mean, it just totally filled me up. It, it was thrilling. So, I can't wait to do season two of the rest and success code, uh, which will be coming to you live in January, 2022. That's so exciting. Yeah. It was such a wonderful experience. So well put together. I thought, uh, yeah. And as a result of that, I actually ended up taking most of the week off whenever that was going on. So I could really focus on it and listen to the interviews and participate, um, in some of the, you know, the Q and A's and things like that. But it was as a result of doing that, I changed so many things in my business just that week. Um, just the one, uh, I mean, there were so many, like I enjoyed every single conversation. There was something to glean from everyone. Um, but there was one about like the VIP days Mm -hmm. and high ticket intensives. Yeah. And I'm, 
I'm changing most everything I do to be those high ticket intensives because I do love one-on-one work with people. Mm -hmm. I have tried the online course route and Mm -hmm. it was kind of exhausting. There's so much that has to go on behind the scenes. You don't really get to connect with people the way that I would like to. And um, so this one-on-one to where I can spend a full day with someone and really dig in and support them. Oh, it's, it just lights me up and I'm so Ah. excited about it. I am so freaking excited for you, Cindy. And it just like gives me uh, unspeakable joy that the rest and success code created that inspiration for you. Like that right there, all the months of work that I took putting it together, all worth it for that one piece of information. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for the new one that's coming up and anything else that you feel is important for the audience to know about, um, you know, maybe what you help people with in your coaching business, or maybe what some of the common concerns people have, like highly sensitive people have that, that you help to address. Um, Sure. Well, thank you for asking. I love working with business owners who are ready to get big um, and are, are ready to take something successful that they have built that is working, but not a full expression of their ambition, ambition or their sort of vision for their future. And I like to help them get there using strategies and techniques that I know work for highly sensitive, introverted human beings. Um, so my work is all rooted in this idea of deep rest and wild success. So we are constantly looking at ways to put more rest into our lives, into our businesses, um, without sacrificing for a second, our ability to create sex success beyond our wildest imaginations. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are the people that I help. And like you, I love doing one-on-one work. So I do both one-on-one work with business owners, um, as well as I have a signature nine month group coaching program, which is like, brings me so much joy, uh, to be able to connect with a small group of entrepreneurs. I mean, I said earlier, I have learned that my, my favorite, most effective way to get support in my life and business is in small group work. So of mm-hmm. course that's what I'm doing too, is, is providing support in that same way. Um, yeah. So if anyone's listening and that sounds like a good fit, you can uh, visit my website, meganmeganson.com. Uh, and I have a, a free download. I would love to share with your folks as well, Cindy. Oh yes. I want to hear about this. Okay. So actually this is- I probably already have it, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're so delightful. And Cindy, by the way, I have to say you were such a delight to um, have in the audience of the rest of the success code. It was just so great to have you in the Q and A's and um, I mean, you were a part of the, the reason that it was such a wonderful week for me. So thank oh, you thank so, you so much, much for participating. And I even won a giveaway, which was so awesome. I got uh, some coffee. That's right. Yeah, I got the coffee and it's so good. I was going to ask, <laughs> how was it? Was it good? We, yes. we sent you some Portland, uh, Portland specialty <laughs> coffee. <laughs> that was so great. Okay. Well, the guide is called the four business building mistakes that will leave you burnout and broke and how to avoid them. So I just walk you through the four biggest mistakes I made when I was beginning my growth journey. And, uh, and I talk about what the mistakes were, what kind of negative impact they had on me. And then I walk you through what I wish I would have done differently. If I could go back and and tell my past self to do it again. This is what I would tell my past self to do. So I'm happy to share this guide with, um, with your audience, Cindy. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've got your website and I will share the link to that guide in the show notes and 
yeah, anything else that you want to leave our audience with? Just that every person listening to this conversation deserves to be extremely well-rested and highly profitable. And you can be both of those things. You can be those things unapologetically and it will make your life better and it will make the world a better place. So I just invite everyone to do it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I look forward to the second season of the Rest and Success Code. Thank you, Cindy. It was great connecting with you. During each episode, I'll be giving you one small takeaway, action step, or mindset shift. I call these acorns. Listen to episode zero to get the scoop on what the acorns are all about. The acorn from this episode is more of an ask of you. I'd really appreciate it, if you haven't done so already, to go take the highly sensitive person quiz that was developed by Elaine Aaron at hsperson.com slash test slash highly dash sensitive dash test. I know that's quite a long URL, so if you just Google highly sensitive person test, you should be able to find it. Just make sure it's on the hsperson.com website. It's a fairly quick test with 27 yes or no questions. If you answer yes to more than 14 questions, you are likely highly sensitive. Personally, when I took the test, I answered yes to 26 out of 27 questions, so I have no doubt that I'm highly sensitive. Although only around 15 to 20% of the population is highly sensitive, there are many adults who have this trait and do not know. If you remember from the interview, Megan shared that she didn't know she was highly sensitive when she began her career as a therapist. Once you know that you're a highly sensitive person and what that entails, there's a sense of relief and you're able to connect with other highly sensitive individuals and be validated in your experience. If you are someone who did not know that you are highly sensitive, but recently found out by taking this test, please email me at mountainpracticejourneys at gmail.com because I'd love to chat and get to know more about your initial experience and insight. As I outlined in episode zero, I'll be alternating between a fun fact and what I'm digging segment with each new episode. What I'm digging for this episode is a London Fog Latte. It's my absolute favorite coffee shop drink, and I also make them at home every morning. It starts with brewing a cup of Earl Grey tea and frothing some vanilla almond milk creamer to pour in. I can't get enough. Thank you so much for joining me today on your private practice journey. For episode 28, I'm going to help you decide whether you should be private pay or take insurance in your private practice. In the meantime, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. There's no way you can know how much it means to me that you choose to join me here as I share all things related to private practice. Please subscribe so you don't miss a step. For more information about this episode, visit the show notes page at mountainpracticejourneys.com slash podcast. I truly appreciate you trailblazers. Your mountain is within reach. Journey on.